Yeah, amen. It's good to be part of a functional unit within the body of Christ, amen? Yeah. It's pretty cool to have a friend with a sweet mower vacuum, too. So. <laughs> it's pretty good. It's a good deal. How's everybody doing today? So tomorrow, Bible study, we're going to be in, in Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 25, in case you want to study that out. Matthew chapter 1, 1 through 25, 6.30 for snacks, 7 o'clock for the Bible study. So that's uh, tomorrow night here. Now we're going to be breaking up. We're going to be breaking up next month into our community Bible study. So things are going to change a little bit moving forward so but this morning we we continue our fellowship series which is basically marching through first john uh, is what we're going to be doing so so get in your bibles turn to the the uh, first epistle of john this is different than the gospel of john this is first john okay and just by way of review in case you've missed some of this so far what we've seen is this is all about fellowship, and it's it's about fellowship with each other, like Wagi was talking about already. It's really talking about fellowship with God, though. And one one analogy that I gave previously was like if we all tuned our instruments to the you know the electronic tuner on your phone, and then we all come together. We're going to be tuned to each other, not because we tuned to each other, but we all tuned to the same standard, and it's the same thing. If I'm in fellowship with God and you're in fellowship with God and we come together, guess what? We're in fellowship with each other. You guys, that makes sense, right? I'd like to do something real quick. Look at, at so keep a finger here in First John, okay? But then also look at Ephesians. Okay, Ephesians chapter 2. I just want to compare two things by, and this is kind of by way of review, but also in, as an introduction to what we're talking about. Okay, so Ephesians chapter 2, verse 22. Okay, look at this verse with me. Actually, we'll, we'll start then verse 19 through 22. Now, therefore, ye, talking to the church, talking to us, are no more strangers and foreigners but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Praise the Lord. Oh, my goodness. Okay, we could stop and spend a lot of time right there just giving God thanks that when the saints assemble, the called-out assembly comes together, we get to be a part of it. Okay, but, but we won't. Verse 20, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So, so Paul's going just like that. Without even telling you what he's doing, he went from saying you're a family member to saying you're part of a building. Okay, so now he's, he, he's telling us we're part of a building, and Jesus is the cornerstone. The apostles and the prophets, they're like the foundation, and we're stones that are built upon this foundation in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for a, for a what? weird that's just weird i mean i know you've got your relationship with god 
And I know you like to focus on that. We live in America where we are fiercely independent. Man, you're, you're good, I'm good, just don't get into my business. Don't tell me how to live my life, right? We are very fierce. Okay, listen, when you and I come together, the Bible says, oh, that's a habitation of God. Have you, have you seen the verse that says where two or three are gathered? There he is in the midst of them. That's amazing, you guys, that, that, that your walk with God, your fellowship with God, and your fellowship with God, and my fellowship with God, we can all come together and form, in a very spiritual but very real sense, a habitation of God through the Spirit. Amazing. Man, I was just almost overwhelmed with that song in praise and worship this morning with Marcy leading that, that whatever uh, the title of it. I, I couldn't have got there by myself, <laughs> just like singing to the radio in the car, like, you know, whatever. But together with you all, the spirit of God was able to move. And okay, so, so listen, there's a thing that has to do with fellowship that we need to understand, okay? So, so the context of, First John is not your salvation. I thank God for your salvation, but John's assuming that. Okay, that's done. That's taken care of. The context of First John is not your sanctification. That is, well, how set apart are you? That's your sanctification. Some of you are more set apart for God's purposes than others. That's just the way it works. That's how sanctified you are. Bless your heart. Be very sanctified, be set apart for the service of God. But that is not what First John is talking about. How mature are you? How mature am I? I hope you're really mature, but that's not what First John is talking about. What First John is talking about is fellowship, partnership, communion. You have a part of something. That's your, you have a part. So your partner's Okay, it's fellowship. Someone said two fellows on a ship. Well, this, God's kingdom, God's will, God's ways, that's the ship and we're, okay. Don't lose sight of the context of 1 John. Okay, because we're going to be talking about a lot of things and nobody understands them. I mean, not nobody, but it seems like nobody understands 1 John chapter one. Have you read 1 John chapter one? Who's read this chapter? Okay. Who's like, I get it. I understand it. It's all makes perfect sense. Okay, listen, we're going to make sense of it today. But if we lose sight of the context, you won't get it. You'll just get confused, which is what happens with this. So you and I, okay, so we read, we read Ephesians 2. Now go back to 1 John. The life, that which was from the beginning, that which is eternal, that which is heavenly, that that came down to earth, into temporal, into death, into darkness. That's what John's talking about. He's like, hey, I want to tell you the things that I've seen. I want to show you those things so that you can have fellowship with us. Okay, so John's motivation here is to bring others into fellowship. Now, he's not trying to get people to come to his adult Sunday school class. It's not the abundant joy fellowship class of the Apostle John that meets in the annex. Hey, I really want to grow. I really want to pad my numbers. 
No, no, no. He's bringing people into fellowship with God. He's br- Now, look, do we have fellowship with each other? Absolutely. But is that the goal, to try to grow? No, no, no. The goal is to bring people into fellowship with God so they too can have a part. That's what John came for. That needs to be our motivation. Aaron was telling me right before class, this guy he really liked, really liked him. Talked to him periodically. The kids like connected or whatever at school, had a a relationship. Guy got COVID and died. Okay, it's too late. It's too late to bring that guy into the fellowship. I saw there, there's some people I saw at work and I'm like trying to, I'm like fishing, right? Like, hey, look, you've got this situation. It's bad. I would love to just put on my pastor hat and can I just share with you how to have peace with God? Because that's bad. You got to be, no, no, we're good. And I'm like, okay. And I walked away and I'm just, it haunts me a little bit. Could I have worked that sales pitch? Could, could I have like tried again? You know, because it's too late to bring them into fellowship with God and they're going to enter a Christless eternity. Okay, so listen, our motivation is let's bring people into the fellowship. That's what John was doing. And when, listen, when we get that, we get God's heart for other people. I'm walking with God. We're going to look at what it means to walk in the light today. We're going, to, we're going to study some of these things out. But listen, it is so cool when we together as individuals come together and it's a habitation for the spirit. And I think maybe who, who got to go to all church retreat? I think sometimes at all church retreat, we get that. Because we're walking with God, we're separate from the world for three days because we're away from our homes living in the dorm on the squeaky beds and the cafeteria food and, and we're all tired and trying to keep up with our kids and going, you know what we're doing is we're separating ourselves from the world. We're dedicating ourselves to the things of the Lord. Now you're doing that and I'm doing that. We're doing it separately. But when we come together, it's just really awesome. And you know what it feels like? It feels like verse four. And these things write we unto you that your joy may be full. And, and here's one thing. I think if you can walk in the light and I can walk with the light, and if we can come together and be a habitation for the Spirit, I think we can have full joy. This is still by way of review, but let me just finish with this. Full joy. Did you Don't miss that. Having money will not bring you full joy. Oh, if I just had more money, I would have joy. No, you wouldn't. I mean, unless that's in the Apocrypha, because I've read the book, and it doesn't say that. It doesn't say your joy is dependent upon how much money you have. Okay, but that's what people think, because that's what they're told. Oh, just if I had an advanced degree, if I had a college education, I would be fulfilled in life. I would have full joy. No, you wouldn't. I mean, that could be an apocrypha too, but I know it's not. If I could just be a person of influence, I would have joy. No, you wouldn't. 
Joy doesn't come through those things. If I could just have fame, if I could be famous, then I would have full joy. No, you wouldn't. You wouldn't. If my if I had a if I if I had Xander's hair, then I would have full joy. Then Christine would just swoon every time I'm like, I'd be tall, dark, and handsome. Oh my goodness. I, I would. It'd be full joy. No, it. Oh, okay. Oh, that's really good. Do you know that the world is selling the idea that if you have an advanced education, if you're influential, if you have a lot of money, that you'll have full joy? Does that resonate? You guys know that, right? I don't have to prove that. You know that. Uh, Oops, that's not right. Okay. Braden started medical school. Man, praise the Lord. You know what they told him his first week? He said, now that you've done all this work and you've gotten into medical school, let me tell you something, men, talking to the men in the medical school, your risk of suicide is 40% higher than the general population. Okay, wait, hang on a minute. Highly educated. You make a lot of money. You can be influential. You have a, uh, like, I've got this purpose and this noble position in my job. Yeah. You know what that brings you? A 40% increased risk of suicide. Okay, ladies. 130% increased risk of suicide in, in women doctors over the general population. Yeah, science, technology, engineering, and math. Let's push women into that. Why, why are you going to push people into something that's going to get... Well, because if you could just get an education, if you could just have all these things, then you'll have joy. Well, it doesn't look like it, does it? Okay, but you know what does bring fullness of joy? Fellowship. How did we miss that all this time, you guys? How did we miss it that, that our whole lives are supposed to be like church camp? Are supposed to be like mission focus? Are supposed to be like the worship set? Because we're just so fickle. We follow after the world and we buy into these things. And so here's the context that's going to actually set up, not just today, but the whole rest of this book. The context is here is the fellowship that is available to you. John says, I'm writing these things to you. So you can have fellowship. Like we read the Bible and we know ourselves. We're like, oh, John's writing to people who got their act together. He's saying, here's what's available to you super spiritual people. But, but I know me, I'm carnal. I'll never attain unto fellowship and full joy. That's not the context of this book is what's available, but you can't have it. It's a whosoever will. You said yes to salvation. You know you're on the process of sanctification. You know what else you can say yes to? Fellowship, which is not the same thing as salvation, which is not the same thing as sanctification, which is not the same thing as maturity. Fellowship involves other people, and it involves God in such a way that we can have together what you will never get by yourself. Okay, I'm, I'm with you. I could be a hermit. Like Mike and I, we could go live on an island somewhere and it's just the two of us and we'd never talk. That'd be fine. 
I just shout over to his side of the island. Hey, you okay? Yeah, if you'd leave me alone. I'm like, okay. I'll, I'll talk to you next year. He's like, don't bother. Like, we would be just fine. Right? Kind of introverted, maybe a little bit. I don't know. Okay. You'll never get fullness of joy by yourself. Love, joy, and peace. It comes from God gave me the ability to love. Love who? Well, love you. It's wasted if there's no object. Okay, okay, does this make sense? Okay, let's let's go to our passage today. First John chapter one, verse five and seven. I am trusting God for something special in the living well class. I think that's that's what goes in your blank is special. I'm trusting God for something special. We can be a habitation for the spirit. Praise the Lord. Let's do it. Okay. Verse five, this is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you. So John, who's telling us the things that he heard so we can have fellowship, he's like, okay, well, here it is. Here's what I'm telling you. Verse five, God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Okay. What's our context? Salvation, sanctification, maturity. What's our context? Fellowship. Okay, well, so as it relates to fellowship, here's what you need to know. God is light. In him is no darkness at all. So here's the application, or here's why that matters to us in verse 6 and 7. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. So first thing we want to look at out of this passage is it's our walk, not our talk, that determines our fellowship. Okay. If you just went around the church, I'm not recommending this, but if you just went around the church and said, hey, do you have fellowship with God? I think the vast majority of people would say, well, yes, I do. You'd say, well, what does it mean to have fellowship with God? And they'd say, I have no idea. But I know I have it because I'm saved. That's what, that's what you'd get. And if you went to a church that was not a Bible-believing, Bible-teaching, discipleship church, and you asked those questions, you'd get the same answers. Oh, yes, yes, I, I, I have fellowship with God. Okay, what's that mean? Well, I don't know. And then, you know, you get the, well, to me, I feel like, you know, that's what you would get. But honestly, everybody would tend to say, yes, I have fellowship with God. That's what most people would say. Okay, now listen, you have fellowship with God, not based on what you say, but based on what you do. So if you were to go to all those same people and say, hey, listen, let's just examine your life for the last week. Can you show me the ways in which the way you lived your life makes it clear that you have fellowship with God? People, I think people, I think we would probably struggle to maybe do that a little bit. Does that make sense? But here's the thing. Fellowship is based on your walk, not on your talk. That's different than your salvation, isn't it? Your salvation's not based on works. Your salvation's not based on your walk. Your sanctification, that's just how set apart you are. So that is kind of related to, to your walk, but 
that's going to vary week to week, probably a little bit. It's different than, than salvation. It's different than maturity. It's different. Okay, I, I'll, I'll try to quit saying that. But in terms of your fellowship with God and your fellowship with each other, it isn't what you say. It is your walk. Okay. So the verse says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie in truth. Okay, so what does it mean to walk in darkness? Well, that's a good question. I don't think any of us want to do that, but, but, but let's study that thing out. So to walk in darkness, Proverbs 4.19. Turn with me to Proverbs 4.19. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 19 says, The way of the wicked is as darkness. They know not how they stumble. Okay, so, so the, the picture is you got people and they're going around in the dark and they're stumbling, but because it's dark, they can't tell what that was. They just stumbled over. They don't know why they stumbled. They don't know what it was because it's dark. That, okay. That, that's what it's like to walk in darkness. People don't even know what they're stumbling about. They don't know. They don't understand. There's ignorance there. Okay. Let's go back to the book of Ephesians because it does a really good job of helping us with this. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5 is kind of talking about who we used to be. Ooh, thank God I'm not who I used to be. Okay, it's talking about who we are and then just kind of how to live out the new life. That's what's going on in Ephesians 5. Verse 8 says, For ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye are children, but now ye are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Okay, well, that's good. That's what we want to look at. Verse 10, proving what is acceptable to the Lord. Do you guys know what that means? Proving what is acceptable to the Lord means you're testing it. So to prove something is to test it. So this, 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 the, what's going on in this passage is the way you live your life, you're trying out different ways to live and you're proving out whether or not God's ways are, are right. You're proving out the things that God says. You're proving the things that are acceptable to God. When we were in discipleship, Christine and I, this was 100 years ago, we were challenged, okay? We were challenged to see this book and then to just simply live according to what it said. And then here, here was the thing, just see if God's faithful. If you're faithful to his word, see if God will be faithful to you. And what we've done over the years is we've kind of found out what works and what doesn't work. This morning, Sam was talking about Genesis chapters 1 through 12. And then, you know, the attack on the Bible is, well, those are just allegorical. There was really no, like, it's okay to believe. And, okay, here's what I wrote on my note. I, Christine and I were just, like, we were, we were talking. We were writing notes in class. Okay. 
But here's what I wrote. Even if I couldn't prove scripture is authentic and reliable and authoritative, even if I couldn't prove any of that, what am I going to do? Go live according to the world's ways? Oh, I tried that. We tried that for the first year or two of marriage. And that was the longest, like, that's why I don't have hair anymore. It was so bad. Amen? You know, even if I couldn't go to Genesis and explain to you why we should believe God's word, what am I going to do? Go believe the counselor that says uh, you can't have joy because you were picked on in junior high? I'm going to go live according to the world's ways. It says it's better to lie, cheat, and steal. Look out for number one. You know what I medical school? When, when we were having to get ready to go to marital counseling and get discipled, you know what I was told? Just divorce your wife. You can always get a new wife. You only have one shot at your medical education. That's what I was told. What am I going to do? Go listen to that guy? Okay, can you believe that? My meds aren't working. That's why I don't have full joy. What am I going to do? Go down that path? No, listen, if the word, if I, the word of God offers full joy. Okay, I, I've got a joyometer. Okay, here, here's my joyometer. I, I got it wired up here. Okay, so here, put out your finger. Okay, and then let me get you dialed in here. Uh, okay, so I need you to think joyful thoughts here, okay? We'll see how you're doing. Are you thinking joyful thoughts? Okay, let's see here. All right. Oh, boy, that's not very good. Okay. Oh dear, that's 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 bad, you guys. This is yeah, not much joy there. Okay. You know, you can't find joy in the world. We can have joy through fellowship. So Scott, you need to work on that. Uh you gotta work on that. Now, how is he gonna get there? How is he gonna get there? He's gotta get there through fellowship. Okay. Now, okay, we're in Ephesians chapter five. Ye were darkness, verse 8, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Prove those things that are acceptable. That's where I'm, okay, I'm back. Okay, prove, we're going to prove out what's acceptable to God. Over time, our lives are going to reflect God's ways, and that's going to get proven out over time. Look at Ephesians 5, uh, verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. See, you were darkness. You walked in darkness. That's just a bunch of wickedness. That's, that's just Ephesians 5, 3 through, through 6. Don't live like the lost people live. Don't live in worldly wickedness. You're saved out of that. Now we're supposed to understand what the will of God is. And so to walk in darkness just... It's to walk in ignorance and in worldly wickedness. 
People that walk in darkness, they don't understand, they don't know. So for the lost person, they're just living, doing what comes naturally. Right? Whatever I don't get caught at, that's what I'm gonna do. Okay, but for the believer, do you know that there's a lot of believers that walk in ignorance? There's a lot of believers that don't know what the will of God is. Why are you on the planet? Can you answer that question? Can you go to Colossians chapter 2 or 2 Peter chapter 3? Can you look at 1 John chapter 1 and see the... the can, can, can you open your Bible and do you know why we are on the planet? And do you know where we are in the course of human history and how it is we can take the word of God and as the body of Christ, do the work of Christ? Okay, you, if you've been around for a while, you know that you know that. You can open your Bible and you can show people why we're on the planet, where we're at, what our methodology is. Praise the Lord, right? Who can do that? Okay. Half of us can do that. Praise the Lord. Most Christians, I'm not talking bad about anybody or any church, but I know there was a time in my life that I was saved but not discipled, and I could not have told you why I was on the planet. I was ignorant. And I didn't know why I stumbled over the things that I stumbled. I just didn't know. Okay, so I was walking in darkness. not like I was walking around murdering people. But I just didn't know what I needed to know be able to walk in the light. And that's what comes next is walking in the light. So still in Ephesians chapter five, look at verse two. We are to, as children of uh, followers of God, as dear children, walk in love. Okay. We're going to be covering that a lot in the next three chapters in first John. Okay. We're not there yet. I don't want to dwell on that. We're supposed to walk in the spirit. Okay, look at verse 9. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness, in truth. Also, uh, verse 18. Be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And then finally, we're supposed to know the will of God. Verse 17. Be not unwise, but understanding what the will of God is. So, so if we're going to walk in the light, we're walking in love, we're walking in truth, we're, we're, we understand why we're planet and what we're supposed to be doing we understand all those things so to walk in the spirit is to walk in love the spirit and the will of god i mean to to walk in the light okay now now back in first john and then we're going to break up into our small groups here pretty soon and again what's the context of our study it's fellowship someone has great love but they don't have anyone to love on. That doesn't even make any sense, does it? Okay, so Aaron, you got that awesome lawnmower. Well, what if you didn't even have a lawn? You're like, no problem. I'll just, I'll just mow Waggy's lawn. Okay, because there's an object for your mower now. There's a lawn for the lawnmower. If we don't have each other and you're like some super spiritual hermit, Lone Ranger Christian, that doesn't even make sense. That's not a habitation of God through the Spirit. There's no fellowship there. Okay, so, you know, all right, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. 
If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. Okay, so here's where people get a little bit confused, and we have to remember the context of this is not your salvation. It's not your maturity. It's not your sanctification. It's not you getting your act together. What's wrong with you? Try harder. It's not, that's not it. The context of what we're talking about is the fellowship we have with each other and the fellowship that we have with God. And so, so here, let's, let's look at verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. To say we have no sin, that is to say, okay, it's to say I don't have a sin nature. Or to say there's been no breach in fellowship because of my sin. So I decided. We lived in Lincoln, Nebraska, and the church we were at didn't have discipleship, but we just called down to Kansas City Baptist Temple and asked for the materials, and they sent us, and we started discipling the people we met walking around the street. So we're going through discipleship. We get to the lesson with dealing on sin. That next week, the guy's in Sunday school, and he asks his Sunday school teacher, he said, well, what about dealing with sin? And the Sunday school teacher said, well, I've never sinned. I'm not a sinner. Okay, the universalists say there is, you don't have any sin to deal with. Okay, the unity church doesn't acknowledge sin. Okay, the honest religions and denominations of the world at least admit there's a sin problem that Romans chapter two is true. And those things that I get mad about that other people do, I have to admit I, I do the same things. Like, that's wrong. That guy should get punished. And then the next day, I'm doing exactly the same thing. I'm like, oh, I got a problem with my, my conscience. Okay. Honest religions will at least say there's a sin problem. We need to deal with it. Now, that's in terms of salvation. In terms of our fellowship with God. Okay. It's our walk that determines our fellowship, not our talk. Right? You guys remember that? Do you walk perfectly? No. Yeah, we stumble, don't we? Okay, so what about that? If, if God is light and in him is no darkness, you just admitted that sometimes you mess up. Sometimes in you there is darkness. Well, now, wait a minute. How does that work? If God is light and there is no darkness in him, but, some, but there's darkness in me, how can I have fellowship with him? Okay, first thing is, don't pretend like you don't have a sin nature. Don't pretend like sometimes your actions don't cause a breach in fellowship. Because God is light. There is no darkness. There's no getting around that. There, okay, so for, you can't say... I have no sin. If you say, if, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. You guys, there's a lot of people that are deceiving themselves right now. Here's the problem. The truth is not in us. Verse 9. Here's the solution. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So is that how you're saved? By confessing your sins? The Catholic that goes into the little booth? You know, go in the closet, and then you confess your sins. Is that how you're saved? 
Because if so, why do you got to do it again next week? You, I mean, that, no, this isn't talking about our salvation. It's talking about our fellowship. So in terms of God is light and there is no darkness in him, but then we admit we, we don't walk perfectly. So what do I do with that? How do I get to the place of fellowship? Here's what you do. Just confess your sin. Okay, so this it says confess your sins, plural. That's that thing you did, that thing you said, that thing that you should. You confess it. God, I shouldn't have done that. God, I shouldn't have said that. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I want to walk in fellowship with you. You got to make that thing right through confession. Does that make sense? Not talking about sanctification, is it? It's not talking about maturity. It's not talking about salvation. It's talking about your fellowship. So to confess our sins, that is to confess specific sins. That's that thing you said yesterday. That thing you did last week. Like, like that's, you hear people say, like, keep a short list with God. That's like, don't, don't go walking through your life with unconfessed sins. You make sure you walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship one with another in the blood of Jesus Christ. His son cleanseth us from all sin. And you're doing that. 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 And I'm doing that. And we all come together on Sunday. And it's like, it's like a habitation of God through the spirit because we're all walking in the light. You come together. And it's just like, like a happy glow fest. I mean, I don't know how to describe it, but it's something you can't get in the world. Okay, let's go on. Uh, verse 10, if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Okay, so, so we have sin nature and breach and fellowship in that first verse, talking about sin. Then we talk about specific sins to confess. This last verse, it's also talking about specific sins. If we say that we have not sinned. So that is to deny specific sins. Now I just I want to point out a couple things here. In verse 6, it's possible for you to lie and to do not the truth. In verse 8, it's possible to deceive yourselves. And now in verse 10, you can actually get to the point where you're making God out to be a liar. And you know why this is in the Bible? It's because of this. And Gail, you should probably preach this part. Okay, Gail, as a police officer and state patrolman. Okay, we have a tendency to try to talk ourselves out of tickets. Like, you know you deserved it. Like, you know you were speeding. But then, it's, you know, it's like, okay... You know, I got to try to talk myself out of this. And if you can talk yourself out of a ticket, you're like, whoo, oh, oh, Christine, I just got pulled over. I got stopped, but it's okay because I talked myself out of it. Christine would say, what do you mean it's okay? Like you broke the law. That's not okay. No, she wouldn't say that. She, Christine hires a lawyer. And pretends it never happened, right? I mean, that's, that's uh, okay. For 300 bucks, it'll just go away, I guess. I don't know. It's not right. Okay, you guys know what I'm talking about, though. We have a tendency to be like Adam and Eve and just hide ourselves in the garden a little bit. I just, I'm going to be back. I'm just going to hide. I can't hide from you guys, but I can hide from you guys. I'm just going to hide, and then and I'm going to deflect. I'm going to blame others. I'm going to change the subject. That woman that thou gavest me, God, it's your fault. Hey, listen, 
we shouldn't use our mouths to try to talk ourselves out of our own sins. Hey, listen, you shouldn't have said that. Well, I just said it because you made me so mad. Well, that doesn't change the fact that you shouldn't have said it. You just sinned against God. Like you got, just listen, Here, here's the thing. God, I shouldn't have. If you have to go calm down first, well then go calm down. Okay, but Lynn, listen, don't make excuses. Don't try to justify yourself with your mouth. That's just your flesh trying to stay in control. Well, I just had, someone had to do something. Well, you didn't have to sin. Okay, if we get into the habit, not making excuses, don't blame your, your family. I know they're messed up. I know they did you wrong. Don't blame your ex. Don't blame other people. Don't blame society. Just confess. God, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. If we will make that a way of life, and we just never have to get very far from walking in the light. And then what will happen is, is, is as soon as you start to step out, your conscience will be like, uh-uh. Ooh, ooh. See, because if you get used to being out here all the time and used to making excuses and you get used to talking yourself out of personal guilt, you have the ability to do not the truth, to lie to yourself, and in the end, you'll be calling God a liar. And he'll say, you know, you shouldn't have done that in his still small voice, and you'll just be making excuses for it. Well, it was his fault. It was her fault. In the meantime, you're, you're trying to find true joy in life. And all the single people say, if I could just get married, I'll have joy. No, you won't. All the married people are saying, if I could just be single, I'd have to. No, you won't. Joy comes through fellowship. We have to walk in the light, keep a short list with God, get into the habit of quickly and, and, and often just confessing those things before God. I'm going to break us up into small groups now. We're going to do a couples group up here. Okay, if we have couples, we'll do ladies group back there. And yes. Oh, you want the, the blanks? Okay, so instead of making excuses, let's use our mouths to confess our sins. And then, and then good, I'm glad you said something because this last point, I'll make a, this last point and then we'll break up, okay? Okay, so I, I use my mouth to confess my sins to God instead of making excuses. Okay, so I, I go ahead and make that change in my life and you make that change in your life. Now, how is it that I stay in the place where I'm in fellowship with God, where I'm walking in the light? How did I get back to this place? Through what? Through confessing my sins. So I'm basically making an appeal to God. It's kind of like, hey, God, can I come back in the light? I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't. I shouldn't have, that. I shouldn't have acted in that way. So I'm appealing to God's mercy, and I'm appealing to his grace. I'm kind of claiming the finished work of Jesus Christ on my life. I'm like, oh, God, I, I should. Okay, will you, God, be gracious to me and merciful to me and allow me to walk with you again? And you know what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I just got all, all over me over here. And it's like, oh, God, I need cleansed. 
I need back. Okay, so listen, when we come together next week and I'm walking in the light and you're walking in the light, we're coming together humbly and grateful. We're praising God as recipients of grace and mercy, not just for salvation, not just for sanctification, but for fellowship. And then the praise, it means more because you've been walking with God all week, not because you got your act together, but because of his grace and his mercy. You just got used to appealing to him. This keeps us in the light, but also keeps us right and humble. Does this make sense? What a beautiful thing if a whole group of people who don't really have anything to prove, because I'm only here by the grace of God, but I have been walking in the light. I've been walking in holiness all week. I've been walking in love. I've been walking in truth. You're like, well, are you perfect? No, no, no. Just a second I realize I'm compromising that, I'm like, oh, Lord, sorry, I'm back in right away. But it's all a testimony to the grace and mercy of God. I don't come, I'm not bragging about anything. The only reason I get to walk in the light is because I just confessed every time I messed up. Make sense? God gets the glory for that, and that keeps us, uh, keeps us in the light. So if we will do that, our fellowship is based on grace and mercy, not your performance. Anybody here just struggle with kind of a performance-based mentality? I'll tell you, just surrender that thing. Just say, God, you, you're, you're good. I don't have to be good. I'm, not, I'm done defending myself. I'm just going to tell people about you. And Anyway, okay, so now we're going to break up into small groups. Couples group up here, ladies group, men's group, and then, and then what will happen is, is we'll get divided up into subgroups. Okay, but you can just uh, go to one of these places. And then about 10 after, I'll come back and just pray us out.